everybody. Um, it's a real treat to be with you this evening. Um, I've not, not, uh, I've not had the honour of uh, really uh, being at home before, so um, I've really enjoyed being with you guys. Um, just to begin with, um, during worship. Um, yeah, so Josh has kind of uh, already said that. My name is Rian. For those of you who don't know me, I lead the uh, Withenshaw uh, community with my husband James. Um, and I have three children. I've got Lucas, who's eight, Alyssa, who's five, and Theo is 10 months old. Um, so, uh, yeah, life is pretty busy. Um, and uh, I'm, a, I'm about to go back to work as a teacher um, after Easter. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be fun. <laughs> so, just at the outset, I just want us just to take one minute to really tune into the Holy Spirit. Um, and that's just still our hearts before God. And just tell God you're listening. And even in this moment, I believe God's going to drop words, pictures, songs, visions, names into your hearts. And if he does, and you sat there thinking, God, I don't know what that means. Ask him, what's that mean, God? Reveal what you're trying to say to me right now. One of the things that I love as a mother is when Lucas and Alyssa talk to me. Um, when they come out of school and they're really excited about something that has happened, something that they've done or something new that they've learnt, you know, I love it when they're excited to tell me, as opposed to, what have you done today? Classic shoulder shrug, bearing in mind, we're only eight, we're not into the, into the teenage years, yeah. Classic shoulder shrug, no, no, forgot, okay. It's, that's kind of like you're dragging stuff out of them, whereas when they are freely telling me, oh, this is brilliant, even if it's, I scored a hat-trick in football at break time. You know, that's important to Lucas. So I want to cheer him on and champion him in that and say, good job, son. You know, I love being able to ask him questions. I love being able to encourage them to talk about what's going on in their lives, you know, to empower them and reaffirm that they, what they've got to say to me is valued. Um, and, and it's important. Okay, and you know, it matters to me. And I love it when they ask me questions. I love it when they sit down at the dinner table and James works four days a week as a structural engineer and they say to James, what did you do today, Daddy? And I just go, because I'm just like, explain that one, James, to an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. But I love it. I love that they want to find out about my day, about James's day, and they put themselves in a position to listen to their mum and to their dad. Yeah. One of the things that I love as a pastor is when I see God's children excited to talk to him, you know, excited to tell God new things that they've learned about him, new things the Holy Spirit has revealed to them. I love it when God's children position themselves to hear from him, when they dialogue with God, when they have a conversation with him, when they hear God for themselves and obey what he says. 
I am passionate, anybody who knows me, I'm passionate about the voice of God. I am passionate about hearing God's voice, listening to his voice and obeying his voice because without God's voice in my life, I just feel a bit flat, feel a bit depleted, feel a bit empty, you know? And it's something that I long for, thirst for, not just for me, but for all of God's children, for everybody who has accepted Jesus as Lord in their lives, we can have this. We can all hear God's voice. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to speak on God's behalf, you know, not speak for him. So we don't speak for God, but we speak on his behalf and he empowers and equips us through the Holy Spirit to bring a word of counsel, to strengthen, to encourage, sometimes to caution. In 1 Corinthians 12, 10, it says, one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. And you know, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, we are told to follow the way of love and eagerly, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. You know, does that say only the pastors eagerly desire the gift of prophecy? Does it say only teachers eagerly desire gift of prophecy? Does it say only the apostles eagerly desire the gift of prophecy? No. It says everyone. I want all my children to eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. That is everybody in this room and that is amazing. That is so amazing. You know, do not discount yourself. Do not discount yourself from hearing God's voice. You know, there is a marked difference between a prophet, and I'm not saying that we're all called to be prophets because we are not. That is a gift, a fivefold ministry gift to the church. But everybody it says in 1 Corinthians 14, everybody to bring a prophetic, prophetic word, you know, from the youngest to the oldest. Now, let's just close our eyes a minute. Let's put our hands on our hearts. God, we just pray that you will just stir up a desire to hear your voice. Stir up a desire to bring forth your word in all circumstances and all situations that we find ourselves in. God, would you stir up a desire to prophesy, to bring forth life wherever we're at, Father God. Stir up the gifting right now in our hearts, Jesus. You know, there's a big difference between hearing God's voice, knowing God's voice, and listening to God's voice and obeying him. So I think about my own kids, you know. <laughs> they know my voice. They know when I'm shouting up the stairs, tea's ready! You know, and they just don't listen. They listen, they hear, they ignore, okay? Tea's ready, come on, get down. It's going cold. Still nothing. They're still hearing it. They're listening. They're not, they're not doing anything about it. It's only when we actually hear, listen, and do, okay? We have to put it into action so it the, the three go together, know God's voice, listen to God's voice, and obey it. It is a learning process. 
It is a learning process. We have to learn how to hear somebody's voice. You know, you think about people in your own in your own lives, you know, back before good old caller ID and mobile phones, and you pick up the phone, and you, and you wouldn't have a clue who it is, but you know who that person is, if you know them really well, when they say hello. And you'd be like, ah, oh, generally you see mum or dad that you'd know really, really well. Uh, and you're kind of like, oh yeah, okay. You know, that's how familiar God's voice should be to us. Yeah. We know God's voice. We know when God is getting our attention day in, day out, you know. It is a learning process, and no matter how often we hear God's voice, no matter how much expertise we might think we have in hearing God's voice, we can still learn how to know it better. Okay? So let's turn to 1 Samuel 3, verse 1 to 18. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet, yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back. And lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. So he did not yet know the voice of God. He did not, he wasn't familiar with God's voice. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling, as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then the Lord said, Speak. Then Samuel said, sorry, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. And that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called to him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. You know, the first thing that we can glean from Samuel and Eli is that we have to learn how to recognize the voice of God for ourselves. And this can take time, it can take effort, and it can make us feel uncomfortable. 
It can make us feel vulnerable. You know, it can challenge our thinking and it can certainly take us out of our comfort zone. But when we know and understand how God speaks to us, we become more aware and tuned, in, tuned into when he wants to get our attention. You know, we'll begin to recognize cues that God uses to get our attention. And there's a variety of different ways that he does this. And it's going to be different depending on what season of life you find yourself in and the kind of person that you are. The way God speaks to you might be very different to the way he speaks to the person sitting next to you. And that is perfectly okay. Okay, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it is our responsibility to respond to those cues and put ourselves into a position where we hear God communicating to us. You know, for some people, God can be very prescriptive in the way that he speaks to them. It can be very similar, the whole, uh, you know, it's the same kind of way all the time. But more often than not, God speaks to us in so many different ways. You know, God is so creative, isn't he? He's such a creative God. And when he speaks, he breathes life. And just look at creation, okay? Every plant, animal, fruit, vegetable, human, all unique, all different. So why would he not speak to us in different creative ways? And you know, there are a number of different ways that, we, that God speaks to us. He can speak to us through the Bible. He can speak to us through visions. He can speak, us, speak to us through images, things we see day in, day out. He can speak to us through music, and speak to us through life situations. And I'm going to touch on three different areas. And you guys are going to do some work as well this evening. It's not just going to be about me this evening. Um, and we're going to have a go at listening to God in different ways. For some of you, you know, you might find that it is, is something that you, you do often. And it won't be a challenge. Um, for others, you might not have done anything like this before. Well, that's okay. We've already talked about how God likes to take us out of our comfort zone. And if we want to really know God's voice in our life, and if we really want to know how he gets our attention and uses those cues to get our attention, we need to practice. And that's all right. We need to make sure we're hearing God's voice. And the way we're going to do that is by listening to him in different ways. So the first thing that I'm going to look at is music. You know, music in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the prophets call on the musicians a lot in order to stir up their gift. Um, an example of this is in 1 Samuel 10, verse 5. And it says, After that, you will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, and harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. And then in 2 Kings 3, 11 to 16. But Jehoshaphat, I'll say that again, that's a hard one there. But Jehoshaphat, there we go, asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, Why do you want to involve me? 
Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. I love Elisha. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver, deliver us into the hands of Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. But now, bring me a harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha, and he said, and he prophesied. So the music stirred something within his heart and he prophesied. There is something about music that stirs up the prophetic. If you just think, you know, and the prophetic isn't just about our meetings, our structure meetings. And we need to break out of that concept because it's not just about when we meet on a Sunday, when we're at Connect, when we're in a... No, okay, the word of the Lord needs to come in the workplace. The word of the Lord needs to come in the schools and the universities. Okay, we need to break our mindset um, with regards to where we see the prophetic. It's not just about in a meeting setting. I can't remember now where I was up to because that was a little side. Um, but that music stirs up the prophetic within us. It prepares our hearts and it tunes us into what God is saying. It does something. Something in our spirit connects when music is played. Okay, that's I've remembered now. You think about, you know, where the majority of prophetic contribution comes. It comes during worship. It comes after there's been worship or there's space in worship where we are connecting spirit to spirit to God. And there's something happens. Maybe, you know, one of the musicians starts playing something and it clicks. Something switches within us and we, and we really see something or God speaks to us in that moment. So what we're going to do is you're going to listen to a piece of music. So I'm going to play a piece of music. You're going to close your eyes, uh, listen to the music. And for some of you, God's going to speak. God's going to drop words into your heart. If he does, okay, don't ignore them. Write them down. Don't forget them. Write them down. Type them on your phone, wherever you've got, okay? There is going to be opportunity um, to share, maybe not corporately, Okay, if you really feel a burden for a corporate word, then I'm sure that we'll have space for that at the end. But we're going to listen to this music, and we're going to see what God says, okay? And if this is something that you're freaking out about, don't stress about it. Don't stress about it at all. Just, in, just enjoy the music and see what happens. Come back to that if it, I don't know, they're having trouble with it at the moment. But another way that God can speak to us or get our attention is through imagery, 
and through visions. You know, we see evidence of this in Joel 2:28, and we're all familiar with this one. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. No, God can give us visions, pictures, or use things that we see day in, day out to speak to us. And a lot of the time, God gives us these as triggers, okay, um, to grab our attention. Okay, he'll highlight something when we're out and about. You know, you could be on the bus, okay, and you're on the bus and there's an advert. And God will speak to you in that moment about that advert, a picture that you see on the bus. It could be you're walking down the street and there's a massive billboard. And God sees, God gets your attention through that billboard. Okay, you kind of, there's something about there that you kind of stop and you look and you think, oh, oh God, what, what, what are you trying to say to me here? And he speaks to you. Okay, he uses those things and every day, it could be, I get it, for people's, people got, yeah, if you've got writing on your tops or you've got random pictures on your tops, okay, that's generally for me, I'll be like, oh, okay, bang, 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 bang. God will use those kind of things with me to bring his word because he opens something up. He shows me people's hearts by what's written on them. And just as an aside, be careful what you're wearing. Because if you're say if there's something on there that isn't particularly declaring the goodness of God, shouldn't really be wearing it, because you want wherever you are showing and proclaiming to be glorifying to God. Okay, so you you don't want something doom and gloom, and then someone like Rian to walk up and be like, oh, <laughs> okay. Um, you know, we need to ensure that we don't ignore these stirrings at the end of the day. Okay, um, when there's something going on in spirit, we need to recognize that it's God speaking to us. We need to stop and we need to, we need to just put ourselves in a position to really hear what God is saying. You know, my reality at the moment is that I find a lot of time when God speaks to me, there's utter chaos going around. Okay, so coming home from school... Getting, getting home, it's always the worst time of day. The kids are tired. Um, you're trying to cook tea. Theo's, like I said, Theo is now 10 months, so he's like on my knee or on my leg, like drooling over me, snot everywhere. The other two are probably having a full-on fight somewhere, and I'm just kind of like, so you're yelling at them. You're trying, I'm cooking tea. My pasta pan is overflowing, and in that moment, God speaks to me. In that moment, he'll speak to me while my pastor's all over the place. And I'm just like, God, seriously, right now, stop killing each other. You know, in that moment, he speaks because he's a real God and he knows what our lives are like. He knows that there's chaos around us. But you know what? It doesn't matter what's going on externally. It matters what's going on in our spirits. It matters what's going on internally. If I am switched on to hearing God's voice through my boiling pasta and my 10-month-old dribbling all over me, who cares? I hear the voice of God. That's my reality at the moment. I, it's very rare that I can take myself away. Well, very rare. It is unheard of that I can take myself away for an hour of isolation with Jesus. That doesn't happen in my life at the moment, but God still speaks to me. 
Now, if you're in a position where you can do that, do it. All right? And God tells us to do that. Take yourself away to the quiet place. My quiet place is a little snippets in the day at the moment, and that's all right. God doesn't judge us for that, because the reality is chaos is around me, but God still speaks. Yeah? You know, we will hear him even in the, in the chaos, even when things are getting too much for us. You know, Elijah, a powerful prophet of God, he runs away from God. He does a runner. He's had enough. He's kind of, I can imagine him. I think he was a Welsh man, Elijah. <laughs> I can imagine him. You know, he's kind of like, God, I've had it. I'll, I'll sound like my dad now. They are at it again, those Israelites. They're not listening to a word I'm saying. Time and time again, I've got to say the same thing over and over and over, and they are not listening. And he's had enough. And now they want to kill me. They've killed all the others. I'm the only one left. Why am I doing this? No, thank you. I'm done. And he doesn't run it. And he says that to God. <laughs> I love it. You know what? If I was Elijah, I think I would have done the same. You know? But his spirit is in turmoil. His emotions are all over the place. But God speaks. Yeah? God speaks to him. And in 1 Kings 19, he tells him to go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. That's verse 11. But you know what? He doesn't, he doesn't move. Elijah doesn't move when God tells him to do that. And you know what? I love that, because a big prophet, you know, that we hear so much about, that he brings the word of God, and things change, and he doesn't listen to the word of God in that moment. And he just sits there. But God doesn't give up on him. Yeah, God does not give up on him. He doesn't move. He doesn't act on God's word. So God uses something else to get Elijah, Elijah's, uh, Elijah's attention. And it says in 1 Kings 19, Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went and stood at the mouth of the cave. So when he heard the whisper, that's when he moved. That's when he obeyed God's voice. That's when he positioned himself to hear God. And the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? The word of God for some of you here this evening is this. You are looking for me in the wrong places. For you in this moment, I am not in the big, loud moments that you were searching for me in. I am not in the relationships that you are pursuing. I am not in the job promotion that you are so desperate to get. I am not in that career that you are pouring your life into. I am in the small, still whisper. And if you want to hear my voice, if you want to hear my response to your requests, stop talking. 
Stop demanding things from me and just breathe. Just listen to me. You know, for some of us, our prayer life and our conversations consist of this. Oh God, I want this. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. And then this isn't going very well. And if you can sort that for me, that would be amazing. Thanks, bye. And God's like, okay. And they're off. God wants to talk to us. God wants to have a conversation with us. You know, he loves to have a conversation. He loves to be able to say to you, do you know what? That situation that you're going through right now, I know it's tough. I know it's really hard, but I've got you back. I've got you back, and I'm with you, and I'm for you, and I am championing you, and I'm calling you on. But when all we do is come into his presence and go, this, 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 I'm off, we don't hear him encouraging us. We don't hear him championing us and being our biggest fan. Because he is. That's what he's doing. For some of us, we need to understand the reverence and the power of the almighty God speaking. Yes, he calls us his friend, his lover, but he is also a king. He's a king who moves in authority and power and a king who demands respect should never come before God flippantly. We should never be in and out of a conversation. You know, if you think about, I don't know, having a conversation with your boss or a lecturer or someone like that, you would never go into a meeting, reel off all, your, all the problems, all the situations and walk off. That would be rude. <laughs> and if you do that, I'd advise you not. <laughs> okay, it's rude. So why do we do it with God? Why do we not give him the reverence and respect that the king of kings deserves? You know, the imagery used within this scripture is so powerful. Um, even more so because the power and authority comes in a whisper. Okay, something so powerful there. And, you know, let's make sure we don't miss those cues. Let's not miss everything because there's chaos and there's... Let's not miss when God is trying to get our attention. So another way that um, I want to look at how God speaks to us is creation, you know? And this is such an easy one, okay? Again, walking down the street, there's trees, there's birds, there's, you know, I know we don't get much on Oxford Road or, you know, anywhere else, but take yourself to a park and, or, you know, even take yourself out of Manchester for a day trip somewhere. Um, and God, you know, there's so much in creation that, um, that speaks to us. All of creation speaks of him, of his greatness. And we really need to learn to tune in more to what creation shows us about our creator. Um, so hopefully this one will work. Um, oh, none of them are working. Great. Okay. Sorry, guys. All the, all the stuff you were supposed to do isn't working. I will. It's not the music. The music is now working. Okay. Right, let's go back to the music one then, seeing if that's working. So remember, listen to the music. What does God say to you while we listen to the music?
So you've got two to do together now. Sorry, I'm making you work hard. So, um, so this time, we're gonna. I'm gonna just show some um, kind of creation images, um, and just see what God says to you as you watch them. Just tune yourself in. What do, What do they show you about about the nature of God? What do they show you about who He is? Don't look at that bit. So we've heard about how Samuel had to learn to recognize God's voice. We've looked at different ways that God can use us to get our attention in order to speak to us. And as soon as Samuel understood that it was God speaking to him and not Eli, he put himself into a position to hear God's voice. In verse 10 it says, The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. So as part of my job as a teacher... Um, I have to mentor and train, like teacher, teacher trainees. Um, and one of the fundamental things that I have to mentor them in is owning their space. Because if you don't own your classroom, game over with teenagers, not being funny. They know that you're quivering wreck in the corner, you know, nah, you're never going to make it. Um, so I have to, and it's really practical things like, you know, I've got to make sure they know where to stand. So when somebody comes into a room or a classroom, um, I have to say to them, well, you need to be at the door and you need to say to them, so my door is here, you need to say to them, good morning, come in, nice to see you, you greet them, okay, so we call it meet and greet, okay, so if I meet and greet them at the back of the classroom, it ain't going to happen, they're going to come in and they'll be like, Meh! bags everywhere and they just, it's just going to be a mess, um, so we have to meet and greet at the door. And then what we do in my school is that um, the kids are expected to come in, uh, get all their equipment out, all their stuff out, in silence, get on, there's a task on the board, they do it independently, on their own, not nagging any of the, any of the teaching staff. But if you are stood in their vision, what are they going to do? Miss, 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 what do I do, what do I do? Okay, so what, we, what I say to my trainees is you need to, as soon as they're all in, you need to go and stand in one of the back corners. 
because they can't see you, but you can see every single one of them. Oh, and there's quite a lot of people right now not doing what they should be doing, so you're all looking at me. Joshua Blow, turn around and do your work. Okay? So I can say to my trainees, they can't see you, so they won't be nagging you. They won't be saying to you, miss, 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 miss. But you can see exactly what everybody else is doing. And what might happen is you might very well see someone who isn't doing what they should be doing. So you would be able to say, well, look, and if she's going to carry on being a pain and, you know, be really naughty, what I have to do is get down and say to her really nicely, I, at this point, I'm not going, well, you do your work. Doesn't, doesn't help the situation. So what I have to say is, come on now, you, you're better than this. Get on with your work. And you walk away and you give them the opportunity to correct their behavior and do what they should be doing. Okay? Good job, Terrell. You know, but that can, be, that can be us and God. You know? He gives us the freedom and independence to listen and obey, to, and obey him. But sometimes our focus and attention isn't where it should be. Okay? And sometimes we need God to move into our into our personal space in order to remind us that he's there, that he's waiting for us, okay? And, you know, he's there saying, I, I want to hear your voice. Yeah. I want to have a conversation with you. I want to change situations. I want to tell you how you can make a difference where you're at. And all it takes is for us to reposition ourselves, reposition ourselves to hear God's voice, to see him. You know, another thing that we see in 1 Samuel 3 is how Eli brings instruction to Samuel. He realizes that it is God speaking to Samuel. And because Samuel does not yet recognize the voice of God for himself, Eli brings instruction and encourages Samuel to reposition himself and respond, to run to God and not run to him, Eli. Okay? And I think there's something so beautiful in this moment. It would have been so easy for Eli to discount Samuel, knowing he was just a boy. He could have become angry at God for using um, a boy instead of him, a more a wise, spiritual man. You know, but he didn't. He didn't. He recognized and realized something powerful in Samuel, Samuel that day. And he gave him tools to be able to talk to the living God. And Samuel didn't have to depend on anyone else to hear God's voice. I just think it's such a beautiful picture of one generation raising up another. And Eli sees the gift within Samuel and draws it out of him. Eli isn't afraid of how God is going to use Samuel. He craves for God's word to be heard and spoken, not just in his local community, but for him personally too. And, you know, we all have access to God. We can all hear him for ourselves, like we've already talked about. But it's something powerful and even more encouraging when someone else hears God for you. You, know, you think about how you feel when someone comes up to you and brings you a prophetic word, word of encouragement. Does something, does something to your faith. Stirs something in you. You know, prophecy in the new covenant is the ruach, the wind, the breath of God. It looks for the gold in the midst of dirt in people's lives and releases life and destiny. It is more concerned with what people could be, the potential in someone, than what is. 
And as we seek to grow in the gift of prophecy, it is vital we do not take on an old covenant prophetic model. Okay? We don't want to be those that judge. That's not what we've been called to be. We're not called to, to bring judgment and doom on people like Old Testament prophets predominantly did. New covenant prophecy does not look for sin or seek to publicly shame or reveal mistakes. It seeks to restore brokenness to wholeness, encourage, brings a faith injection, confirm the will of God and bring strategy, catapult you into calling and seasons, bring salvation. Yes, it is such a thing, prophetic um, evangelism, and we need to see more of it. Give insight in counseling situations, which means it goes past what we can see on the outside. It's what's going on in there. It's discernment of spirit and breakthrough in spiritual warfare. When we bring God's word, we breathe his life into dead situations. We encourage, we build up, we strengthen. You know, let's be those who are quick to recognize and know God's voice. Know his promptings and the cues that he uses to get our attention and that can take time and effort but it is totally something worth investing in let's be those who position ourselves to hear what he says and let's be those who do what he tells us because what is the point in hearing what he says but totally ignoring it absolutely no point at all so what i'd just like us to do in response um, is i've got a number of different cards on the tables over there. And I would like each and every one of us to go over. Don't just grab any card, because some of them have got like words on them, some of them have got pictures on them. I want you to look at the cards and I want you to think about okay, God, is there a specific card here that you want me to take? Is there a word here that you're going to give me for someone? So this is your opportunity to put into practice what we've just heard about. You don't have to do a card for someone in this room, okay? It could be for somebody else. And if you've never done anything like this before and hearing God's voice, the easiest thing to do is think of it like this. I am encouraging someone. So think about if God has put someone on your heart, which he probably has, just say to God, God, what do they need to hear right now? And some of us will just need to write, God wants you to know that he's for you. And that is enough, okay? We don't need to make it complicated. We just need to do what God tells us to do, okay? So hopefully a piece of music is going to play. Um, and just in your own time, um, there are two tables. Just go and look and use this time to hear what God is saying and do something about it. <laughs>